Welcome in to Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trussell and Seth Coggin. Well, let's do it, boys. Uh, in case you missed it, the uh, <laughs> Nebraska Cornhuskers, my team, my favorite team, a team that I've cheered on since birth, a team that when I was born won the national championship, actually. Uh, they have fallen far from grace, and they did so again across the pond in Ireland. Started off strong. I was feeling really good, guys. That first drive, Casey Thompson. great. Awesome. Just knifing down the field, slashing, awesome. and then throws a bomb. Great throw and great contested catch. Touchdown. Go back down, march down again, get up 14-3 to at one point. Get up 28-17 at one point. Then they go for an onside kick. Everything changes, and they never – well, I wouldn't even say everything changes, but they never really came back from that. That seemed like that's where the tides turned. Yeah, that's a definitely – that's a play, one of those plays in sports where it would be very hard for you to argue against the factor that momentum can play, um, especially within a game, within a season – um, a season, maybe not so much because you did great coaches, I think, can overturn that and kind of snap momentum. Do we lose uh, Seth? I think we might have lost Seth. Oh, no. Well, I'm sure he'll be back. Yeah, but, hopefully he uh, comes back. We'll see. Um, I mean, Will, you need to keep talking about this because uh, I, I, I have a couple of things to say, but I, I really just want to hear you talk right now. I know you got a lot to get off your chest. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of choosing to look on the bright side of things here. I'm taking the positives that I saw from the game and some of the negatives. So, I thought the defense looked pretty terrible. Uh, I thought they got pushed out of the way a lot, pushed around a lot. And this is a defense that really carried us last year in games or at least gave us the opportunity to win every game last year. And now here they are, you know – just getting pushed around by Northwestern. That's something I hope to see improved upon just because we've the amount of hype Husker fans have heard about this front seven and a proven front seven, you know, two linebackers that had a hundred tackles apiece last year, a guy who led the team in sacks tackles for loss and hurries and Garrett Nelson that came back a guy in O'Shawn Mathis. That was one of the top transfer portal guys in the country coming in from TCU to come rush off the ball. So that's that's got to get back to what people were expecting. I still honestly like the offense. Uh, we had a bunch of drops. Some people were complaining about, you know, we had a couple receivers that Husker Twitter was kind of complaining about, like Wyatt Lever, who's a walk-on. But Wyatt Lever is a guy who's played multiple years in this program, made plays. I mean, yeah, he dropped the ball, but basically fans trying to say, oh, he shouldn't be in there at all. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, he's a – He's a solid player, and I've seen him make plenty of plays, score touchdowns. So I'm not in on that. I liked what I saw from Casey Thompson. But, again, you just – it was just the same movie that I've seen over and over again. And I'm not – my thought process on it is I said seven wins is the magic number. That's how Scott Frost keeps his job. So I'm not making a snap decision on this game. Yeah, it sucks, and it – really hurt especially the day after but everyone calling for his job and everything I mean yeah if he doesn't improve if we keep losing yeah he will get fired but I'm not gonna 
call for it right now when you play a team in Northwestern who's known for bouncing back year after year, a year after they have a terrible season, bouncing back and having a solid season. I don't know how good they're going to be. I thought they looked a lot better than I gave them credit for, definitely. I will say that. I don't think they're going to be the bottom of the Big Ten like I thought they may be. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But the weird thing is, outside of Michigan, everyone else you're going to play in Oklahoma, but everyone else in the Big Ten that you're going to play is going to be pretty similar. I was going to be pretty similar. Good defense, good offensive line in the trenches. Wisconsin's going to be pretty similar. Uh, Minnesota, like those are your toughest games outside of Michigan and Oklahoma. So if nothing else, I mean, you got practice for it. Uh, I'm excited for them to just play a couple easier games. Hopefully there's no, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully there's no just complete collapses. But I don't know. You go two and one and then you have top 10 Oklahoma coming into town. So I'll tell you what. If you you go three and one and you beat Oklahoma. It's a wash. It's better than a wash. Yeah, you forget. Yeah, it's better than a wash. No, winning that game would be better. Um, Like – it's 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 hard to say in the moment kind of be like oh well this but if you go three and one a month from now and you just beat Oklahoma this will be so far forgotten and you're right on track to but it does make that game more important because if you're two and two you know even if you had if you had beat Northwestern and you lose to Oklahoma it's like well you know still three and one but uh but that just puts I don't know it just puts you kind of know where Frost sits like to say his seat got hotter is kind of I mean, it didn't matter a yeah. little bit, but it didn't matter. It was going to be like the at the end of the year, you're going to stay what his record is, and and that's what he'll be judged on. So he still has a full season to kind of get that right. Uh, it is a little bit bummer. It takes probably the higher aspirations for Nebraska out of like I truly, I truly thought, and and part of it's because I want to think and believe so, but I had I projected them to win the Big Ten West, and a loss like this probably puts them. It doesn't take them out of the hunt because crazy things can happen, but it really hurts their chances of actually making some serious noise. Like it, you know, it, it and eight is eight and four still on the table. Absolutely. Like I, with the way their schedule sets up and the way the breaks and cause they looked good. Like last year, Nebraska's team looked awful. Like they lost to Illinois in that for not because Illinois played good or anything. Like Nebraska just looked bad. I agree. Yeah. Continuously shot themselves. Like, in the this foot. team looked good and showed spurts. Like the offense was impressive. I, I thought Casey Thompson looked pretty good. I thought he looked a lot better than I've ever, I've seen Nebraska quarterback look honestly in a while, just like from some, from some aspects. The best, um, honestly, the best pure passer I've seen. Yeah. Almost in my lifetime at Nebraska, which obviously there hasn't been many, but yeah. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, that's a really big positive. Uh, Northwestern did play good. They were obviously prepared. Um, and the first week is so hard anyway. Like, yeah. The first week is so hard. And then you throw in your the fact that you're in Ireland versus a conference opponent. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald's been there a long time. Like, if any program has stability, it's North, like Northwestern is a program that stands on its own. Like, you know, yeah, they're not, it, it's, they're, they're never, a true, true elite national threat typically, but they put some really good teams together. Um, and Pat Fitzgerald's a good coach and can have them ready to go um, for a week one game like that. And they played really good. They made a few less mistakes. Nebraska had a few chances to even put on a few more scores. I felt like I know they fumbled, that one fumble was tough about on the 10 yard line. Cause I mean, they were rolling pretty good at that point. You mm-hmm. know, your offense punches one in there. 
um, get points there. And I believe they had another turnover in where they were kind of driving and just, I, I think, I can't, I can't think. Yeah, that. there I were wasn't... a couple, there were a couple of picks that were honestly, yeah, Casey Thompson threw two picks. And honestly, I thought both of them were the receiver's fault. Like one of them straight up went off a guy's hands and another one, it was like the guy didn't really go for the ball almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I the fumble was a bad break. I think Husker fans, though, aren't even upset about that. I think they're like, we want to be to the point where we can get past a bad break. Yeah. Um, so that's something to look at. But yeah, I mean, some bad luck. But I, Seth, I'm with you. Like, I saw enough things where it was at least like we played a good game. I mean, there were mistakes and that's why you lost. But Northwestern played a good game, too. It wasn't like... Yeah, they played a good game totally... and they made less mistakes and they won. Like, yeah. That's a conference opponent. It's not it, It's not like we just lost this throwaway game to, you know, someone like, you straight up went out against a conference team who played well. You know, you, you play, you put some pretty good things out there and some things definitely, I mean, still plenty of room to improve, but it didn't, it wasn't just like you lost 13 to 17 and like it was disgusting and the offense looked just pathetic and it was pretty much a throw in the towel. Like I'd watch that game, that team play more games. I think they could do pretty good. Uh, I don't I don't see any reason why they can't have some pretty good success and build that up. And I'm telling you, Oklahoma's susceptible. Like you get that win and things change. That season's right back on its feet. Well, and it's at least kind of like Nebraska's somewhat battle tested before that game. I don't I don't even know who Oklahoma plays. Maybe they yeah. play someone kind of decent. Not right? only, yeah. You not only do you have an extra game, you also have a conference game too. So that's yeah. you know, definitely is something to think about. Hey, it's and, week zero, man. We haven't even got to week one. It's just <laughs> slate clean. Yeah, it yeah. didn't even count. It was week zero. It, know, was, nice it wasn't even in America. Out. You were just yeah, – <laughs> it's like a fever dream. It was in Ireland. Uh, I will say this, uh, we and we can talk a little more about it or, or move on, but so Nebraska's got North Dakota. That is North Dakota, not North Dakota State, for all those wondering. And then Georgia Southern. Uh, don't sleep on Clay Helton, I guess. But let's say Nebraska wins those two. Let's say they lose to Oklahoma. They're two and two. I will say this. Seth, you mentioned it. The schedule, I mean, two and two, you you play Indiana and Rutgers after that. So w- what I'm thinking, too, if I'm being a little more on the pessimistic side, saying Nebraska loses to Oklahoma, they're two and two, you just have to win those next two, that Indiana and Rutgers, be four and two. Four and two, there's a, lo- there's a lot of possibities on the table at that point still. You know? Four and two, you're tracking for eight and four just right on the dot. Well, and it's like even after after Indiana Rutgers, you play Purdue, you play Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. So that kind of that stretch of Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, that's going to be tough. But you know, you I mean, ideally, you're bowl eligible by that time. I mean, that would take what four four out of five. One, two, three, four. Four and two, and everything's on the table. Yeah. So I'm not gonna even if they lose to Oklahoma, I'm not gonna be freaking out but hey let's beat oklahoma why not that's be awesome saying. you don't get that many chances at home like against us this is the most instability oklahoma's had in a while like early on in a season new head coach new head coach who's a different head coach yeah all defense programs like yeah he might be a good head coach but he's trying to switch the trajectory of the program mm-hmm. like for four years you've been recruiting to this offensive just juggernaut you know their defense has been terrible and that's because a lot of it's because they prioritized offensive talent 
And so now when you try to flip that script, it's not that easy to just instill a great defense. Like it takes time building up a depth of a lot of elite talent, especially on like the D line, like linebackers and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not going to immediately happen overnight that they just become a defensive juggernaut. So, and now you're kind of losing that offensive mindedness, which really won you a lot of games. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's hard to switch the trajectory of the system of a program because I watched it happen several times at Arkansas when it was like, we went from Bobby Petrino, just offensive, like I said, just prioritizing offensive talent to, uh, well, that this was a little different because maybe this wasn't offensive versus defensive, but this was, we were really pass heavy, pass heavy, pass heavy. Well, all of a sudden we got Brett Bielema and he just wants to run down your throat. Right. Well, it takes a long time to get good interior linemen in there who can block really well and good, you know, um, good running backs and stuff. I think it's just hard to change a system um, with any coach. And Venables is a first time head coach. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. Clemson's defense has even been on the decline the last like three years. Like, what's he really done that impressive recently? Like, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't buy him as a coach, I guess. And so, really, that's that's my end trajectory on him. And so, I'm thinking right now is a great time to go ahead and beat him because he'll be solid. Like Oklahoma's probably going to still be pretty good. They're like they they have maintained a pretty high level of success through different coaches, but I just think they'll take a step back with Venables. So why not beat him now? Well, it's interesting too, as we mentioned, that game is at Nebraska, and it's an 11 a.m. game. You know, that's just kind of 11 a.m. games are funky a lot that's of times. Prime, yeah, that's prime for beatdown. Yeah. Or not a beatdown, but an upset. Right. And it looks like Oklahoma plays UTEP and Kent State before like they, they – They'll have a new quarterback. Game. I don't know who's going to be their quarterback. I think Dylan Gabriel from UCF. Yeah. Well, so, was, I mean – He's pretty battle-tested. I was going to say I like Dylan Gabriel, but it is. I mean, it's a different ball game. I think his offensive coordinator is there, so I guess he's probably running the same same system. But still, different, still, different school. Yeah. Very different. And something that I wanted to float here, and I was talking about it earlier, let's say Nebraska does really plummet from here. Scott Frost is gone. We're searching for a, a, a new head coach. And there was a man that was fired down in Florida, Jackson. Never been fired in college, though. Never been fired in college, always stepped away. Mr. Urban Meyer, could we see him make an appearance in Nebraska if Scott Frost truly does blow up here? I mean, would what do you would you take that, Will? I would hire Urban Meyer in two seconds. Yeah, but I, I said Tre- the same thing. Trev Alberts, the AD, will not will not hire Urban. But personally, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, let's hire Urban and win some games. Like that that would be totally fine with me. That being said, I hope I hope Frost gets the job done. But hey, actually, let's 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 dive into this a little bit. I think. Some names on my short list. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Week I mean, one. I'm thinking I'm thinking Luke Fickle would be a great yeah, one. That'd be a great Dude, hire. he just signed a new five million a year contract for the next six years or something at Cincy. Not saying it couldn't be undone, but I mean I'm that's, saying, that's I just the, read that today because I was doing a little Cincy uh preview for myself. Yeah, since um, they're playing Arkansas. All right. And I just he just got a big old extension there at Cincy. Yeah, I don't know how that would play out. Would be I mean, sick. We, I mean, would yeah, would be awesome. We pay him more, yeah. like like we will, like if that's what it took, we would just pay him six or seven. Yeah. Honestly, if we if we really thought we could get it done, because I know the frost buyout get gets cut in half. I think October first or November first. 
Um, so he's making it. It's going to get fired November 2nd. Maybe. But that th- the thing about it is ne- there's no shortage of money. Like, that's that's what we love to talk about, all these, like, coaches getting paid and stuff. Honestly, there's no shortage of money there, especially when the bio gets cut in half. A lot of Husker fans go with Matt Campbell. I do not – I don't want Matt Campbell. I think he's fine. Uh, I heard him give a very Butch Jones answer to a question when they asked him about last year if his goal – they asked him about failing to win the Big 12 or something, like not reaching that goal. And he gave him the answer that that was never his goal. His goal was to be the best team they could possibly be. And I was like, all right, bro, come on. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was a very, like, you have to also just watch the interview to really get the gist of it. But I think Matt Campbell's fine. I think he's well-suited for Iowa State. I don't see him cutting it at a Nebraska. I mean, it's people like him because it's like Midwestern or guy type thing, and they want him over there. I don't want Matt Campbell. Uh I'd go with honestly, I would go with Jamie Chadwell probably from Coastal Carolina if you're gonna go like lower level route. I think he'd be fun to watch, uh, or fun to bring in. And then I don't really know after that. I haven't thought about it a whole lot. I think Fickle would probably be that first guy that I would want. But like you said, Seth, that would be kind of tough to run into yeah. that. But I hope like seriously, I truly hope it doesn't get to that point. Uh we'll see though. I mean, if it if it comes to that point, it comes to that point. So the point's not like it's it's not there yet, but the point is we're talking about it. We're we're we we we're, we've started compiling lists of who might replace him. So that's never a great spot for a coach no. to be, unless you're like Nick Saban. It's like, well, who might possibly replace him? Like when he dies? Yeah, yeah. I, I, is Saban even going to retire, or will he coach until he dies? I think he'll coach not until he dies, but I but think he'll, until he's he'll on his die. deathbed. He will die within 36 months of being a head coach. So that gives him a few years. Like he may hang on a few years after that, but I think he's pretty much will be gone. In 2030, dude, he's going to be what? Like 82? Yeah, I mean, he's, over, he's, he's over 70. Yeah. So how does oh, he get? So I, I guess he doesn't really have to be the locker room guy anymore, but our butt. It's going to make me just so depressed. Well, it depends, too, if he kind of goes like Joe Pa and starts losing it a little bit where he's like not full. He's not like really coaching all the way anymore. You know, right. that's the only way they would decline. But I think he he wouldn't get to that point. He would retire yeah, he before. He got to that's that not saving. No, the minute he can't be himself, I think he will. He will give it up. But that I think he can still be a good. He's just so he's so good. He's he's. He's even getting better. See, that's like the scary thing. It's like he is kind of he's adapting. Like a guy you think would not adapt, he's adapting. That's been his actual greatest asset is the way he's been able to adapt. No, not many. Oh man, it changes so the dynamics change so much faster. Well, just think about back like back in the day, offenses were the same year after year after year after year after year, and like they changed maybe a while, but you didn't have all the film that you have today. Like you couldn't watch like a college coach could legitimately sit and watch, you know, how many, a full slate of games on a Saturday or, you know, watch most, you can, the development of the game changes so much faster these days. Like offenses develop and adapt and change so much faster than they did, you know, back in the day where you have coaches in place that are running the same wing T offense. Yeah. It's not hard to dominate, you know, 
in an era where everyone ran the same things for a while, you know, to truly adapt, like he's one at true pro style, run it down your throat. Like we are just going to control the clock, have a game manager to like having Heisman winning quarterbacks who are throwing for so many yards and just running a spread out. Like he's adapted. Oh, it's crazy. It's, and it helps. It helps when you have the best players. Like it does help. Your offenses always look better. Your defenses look better when you have the best players. Yeah. But that's a huge part of college coaching, which he's been able to stay on top of. And I think, I mean, he found out the best way to recruit is to win. You know, that has become his greatest asset is like, no, nah, if you come to Alabama, you will win. Like in the time that you're gone, you'll probably win at least one, if not more national championships. Because what pretty much everyone that's come through in a three or four year span has won at least one, right? Like no one comes and hasn't has left in handed. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate. It gets me riled. Like I respect Saban and actually as someone who wants to be a coach, like I look up to, I, I truly respect like the greatness he's been able to instill for a long time and the way he has run a program and the way he has developed players and all this kind of stuff. He has developed coaches and players aplenty. So I respect that, but he happens to be at a rival and it is just, so sickening to have to watch uh, that over and over and over again. Um, so I respect him tremendously, but also cannot wait till he's done. But then he just signs another contract extension to get in there till 2030. Like I can't even foresee eight years down the road. I don't, who knows what my life will look like. And Nick Saban's still going to be the coach at Alabama. <laughs> that makes me sick. That makes me sick. Will it be on our 30s? That's scary. When did he get there? 06? 06. That's ridiculous. I mean... I mean, actually, now that I think about it, I mean, that's not even going to be 30 years at one school. I mean, he wasn't a spring chicken when he got there, but still, I think of great coaches. There usually are at schools, I guess, for quite a while. Right. But it's still, it seems like... I don't know, and obviously we're pretty young when he was at Michigan State and LSU, but Saban just seems like he's been at Alabama for so freaking long, and I'm so ready for him to go. Yeah, it's probably the winning. Yeah, the the winning makes it feel probably twice as long. And, God. But um, I did want to talk about real quick, if you guys uh, are done with Saban, our, our prediction about Vanderbilt Hawaii was a little bit off. A little bit off. It looked good at first, though. It looked good right at the beginning. But the more, the more I read about it... Hawaii's like terrible. After, yeah, Hawaii's. They are the worst. <laughs> That's one thing but, we did not prognosticate. Yeah, see, if we had actually done more research and seen online that Hawaii is probably the worst football program in FBS this year, um, they've basically blown everything up and are starting from complete scratch. I mean, to be fair, like, how different is that than Vandy, though, honestly? Like, Clark Lee, I mean, he he's a he's a cornerstone of that uh, program right there, baby. They're going to be winning natties. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I do like Clark Lee, honestly. I know I know what you're referencing, Trucial, but yeah. So, but I mean, what was yeah. the final score? It was sixty-three like ten. I know that they 10. scored like thirty-five points in the third quarter. That's pretty awesome. They them. were down seven yeah. zero and then went on a sixty-three to three run. <laughs> I stopped watching. It was seven zero. Because I, I had to do something else, but 
Uh, and I was like, oh, man, Hawaii's in this thing. And then I did see the score a little bit later, and I was like, oh, never mind. We, were, we were a little bit wrong. It felt right for a minute. It was like, you know what? Picking Hawaii to win at Hawaii versus Vanderbilt was definitely the right call. But, yeah, Vegas was correct on that one in turn. Because it got all the way up to Vandy minus 10 and a half. So the public was on it. Vegas was everyone on it. Was everyone on was Hawaii. on Vandy. Or no, everyone was on Vandy. Oh, wait, they were, I guess. Yeah, because it start opened up at like minus five and a half, got all the yeah, way. Yeah, like so yeah, I guess they half. all kept betting on Vandy and it got hot. That's crazy. How did it happen? I guess all the money was probably coming in on Vandy, but there had to have been. I wonder what the picks looked like. I mean, I, I, I from what I read, most people knew Hawaii was going to be really, really, really bad this year. <laughs> I don't know. I saw, I, I mean, yeah, this is just me talking to people, I guess, but I mean, I, like I'm in Nashville. So like, and they, the fact that they were all just like, there's no way Vandy can like win by double digits against anyone. Like this is a team to beat UConn by one last year, you know? They yeah. Lost I think that ETSU. was the bigger, yeah, that was the bigger Testament. It was just, I have absolutely zero faith in Vandy. That was that was what those picks were for us. It was like, look, I don't think Vandy can beat anyone, much less go to Hawaii and win on the road at Hawaii. Like, I don't, I don't think, yeah, they can't beat. They get blown out by ETSU at home in Nashville. You think they're gonna go on the road all the way to Hawaii? Well, they they proved us wrong, and you know what? Congratulations, I, yeah, yeah. I think we should have bet the over for Vandy now that. Yeah, Is looking back on it, I wish I put my entire to? life savings on. Uh, but their over was so. Oh, the over on win totals. Yeah, it was what two and a half. Yep. Is it two and a half? See, they're already so a they, third of the way there. All you need is two more. They're they're going to. I bet you they're going to win four by. or five games. They're going to win. I bet they'll. Yeah. Why not? It comes down to the. Like I still don't think they're beating anyone in the SEC. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll beat like South Mizzou. Mizzou could be a win. Kentucky, dude. No one's – they're not that good. Anyone's susceptible. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, no, but what I'm thinking, too, is, like, Northern Illinois and Wake Forest aren't going to be games that you can just chalk up as wins in the non-con. Yeah, e- Elon, I would think Elon you can chalk up as a win. See, so but then they two. just got to beat one of – they can – I mean, they looked good enough to beat NIU at home. Yeah. I, I don't know. So. I don't know what – I don't know what NIU looks like because, I mean, just because I know. Yeah, NIU they've been up and down. Like, they have had some pretty good teams, but they've also had some like, bad teams. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd still, I'd say they hit the over at this point. But, it's I mean, like they looked good. good. I mean, they scored 63 points on a real team, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yep. Vanderbilt is atop of the SEC right now. Yep. Want to know? Want to know? They're the only Better SEC team. Better than the Huskers. Team. No offense. So. Sorry, Will. It's true. No, you're right. Yeah, I but, wish the Huskers had gone to Hawaii and won by 63 points. That would have been great. Dang, I would have really loved to play to Hawaii. Honestly. And Vandy versus Northwestern in Ireland. See, that seems awesome. Purple seems Vandy better. versus real Vandy. <laughs> Shout out Husker Nation, though. Painted it a sea of red up there in Dublin. Uh, that was an impressive performance from the Husker faithful. Rewarded with free beer. And yeah, they, they all hilarious. got free beer. That was awesome. And then just absolutely gut punch, gut punch. How bad do you feel if you're a Nebraska fan who got absolutely hammered on free beer? You go 
you lose the game, sucker punch to the gut. Then you got to take like a 15 hour Europe cross transatlantic flight hungover straight to the dome right after that. Like that is miserable. If you win, you take it all in stride, I think, but you go over there and lose that game. And that's just, that's just hellish to try and get your, find your way home. Yeah. Thank God I didn't go now. Yeah. I would have been, I, that would have broken me I mean, like pretty, if you pretty bad. Sitting drop, in the airport the next day, you're just dead. Yeah. Lifeless. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I don't know. Like, th- just the whole process of that afterwards would have really, yeah, I don't know what I would have done. That's what, see, you take one, you take an L at home at Lincoln Memorial, you know, you walk to your house, you go home, you sleep it off in your own bed, you're comfy. You turn on some other college football for comfort, and then uh, you know you're you bounce back. You know losses happen all the time. We've 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 taken our fair share of losses over the years, but to take an L across the across the Atlantic Ocean is a special kind of brutal. Yeah, that's bad. I would not have fun with that. What do we think uh, about? We the need to balls? talk to a few. We need to talk to a few Nebraska fans who made the trip. Just like, I, what was I mean, it like? Wonder, the, what was it like the next day when every person on the same flight was a Nebraska fan who was just pissed? <laughs> this is going to be, yeah. People who win are going to. It'll be the moment where they're either like, yeah, I remember right before when we knew Frost was uh was not the guy for sure. I was in Ireland. I was there. <laughs> or, or when they're playing the thirty for thirty about Scott Frost's immaculate comeback. Uh, they'll be like, this was the turning point. So yeah. we'll see. The final loss. What if he never loses again? That would be awesome. I would I would endure that. That would be the only way I would be able to endure that kind of loss is if, like, it turned around and it was the last one. <laughs> never another one. It's like, all right, I suffered through it, and now we, we got that out of the way. Yeah, it looks like there was 13,000 American fans that made the trip overseas. So that includes Northwestern fans as well, but I'm assuming that is a lot more Nebraska fans than Northwestern fans. Well, like 12 yeah. to one, I'd say at least. I think 10,000 Nebraska fans were there. So the three were Northwestern, I guess. Or some scattered people who just wanted to go to Ireland. Wanted to go to Ireland and football game. Yeah. So yeah, I bet it was like a thousand were just kind of random foot college football fans. Two thousand were Northwestern. Ten thousand. Or Nebraska fans, if I had to guess. But, yeah, I mean, we still got a lot of fun college football to look up to. Um, <laughs> one weekend, and we're already on doomsday scenarios. Yeah. But, I mean, we're not even one weekend. We're, we, we're zero weeks. Zero we're zero in, weeks in. And, and it's already dark days here. The I'm podcast excited. had so much hope, but let, hopefully the Hogs and the Vols and the Huskers, still plenty of time. But 10 plus wins is still on the table for the parlay. I'm just saying. Oh, that did put a dent in that. Parlay. Oh, yeah. I didn't even. It just changes things. If they could have started off three and oh, you're like feeling, you're like, dang, third, like almost a third of the way there, you know? Like I had taken out some big loans too. I'm counting on this. I was counting on this parlay. <laughs> I, I, had already, I had already cashed it in. <laughs> That would have been. Imagine being like, "Yeah, no, I've got, I've got, I've got Nebraska, Arkansas, and Tennessee all winning ten games. It's a lock. <laughs> Don't worry about it." 
someone like you owe someone just thousands of dollars be yeah. like no don't worry about it i'll get it to you in december like seriously <laughs> this I'm is the biggest lock it. ever yeah i'm, I'm good, good for it. it these three programs that haven't won 10 games collect between them in 20 in in 10 plus years yeah it's a lock <laughs> Uh, well, the Vols will get us started off early. Let's let's hear a yeah, little. Ball State. What, what are we thinking? Um, uh, I think it's honestly, up to thirty-three and a half, right? Vols. I think honestly, you take the Vols. Am I wrong? I mean, because just looking at last year and with what we did um, against teams like South Carolina, Missouri, we ran up the scores, like did not slow down for one second. And I don't think Hypel is going to change anything about that. So. Yeah, I could see beat, beating Ball State by 50, 60 points for sure. Well, I think the main thing is I don't think you really ever stop passing the ball. Like, if anything, you just throw Joe Milton in, and then if anything after that, you throw Taven Jackson in, who I actually yeah. think will do pretty well if he goes in. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Taven Jackson, too. I think that's something he's I He's the guy of the future, to. for sure. Right? I mean, I think Heupel really likes him. That was his first guy, right, that he got to yep. commit. Mm-hmm. So. And it'll be interesting to see because that change you got a whole big thing with him and whenever Nico comes in, it's like what's gonna happen. So yeah, excited to see. Hopefully Taven plays. Hopefully uh our alma mater, uh Walker Merrill coming out of Brentwood. I hope I get yeah, to see. Yeah, that's him right. Play. So he's actually I was looking at the depth chart and he might start this year. Yeah, it's him and Brew McCoy. They were that is four. crazy. Walker Merrill crazy. could be starting for the Vols, former yeah. Bruin. I mean, he yeah, was a four star program. Yeah, yeah I mean, receiver. yeah, he was he was good, and I know wasn't he was stuck between Auburn and Tennessee, right? Were the those his uh, two kind of choices? Yeah, but I think he was also thinking about like Ole Miss and Vandy as well. Yeah, I mean, he made the right choice though, and I mean, he, he's going to be uh, competing for national championships, so <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, good for him. And but yeah, I'm, I mean, that'd be that'd be cool to see him like take one to the house for sure. I saw I saw him. Uh, I remember I went to the Tech game last year, the Tennessee Tech game, and he got caught a couple balls. So I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah, he's getting uh, getting his feet under him. And I think, honestly, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to that maybe not everyone is, uh, we've got a lot of returning guys and some big dudes on the offensive line. Um, and that's kind of been a, the talking point a little bit of people – or maybe it's just Vol Twitter being pessimistic. I honestly think our O-line is going to be a lot better than people expect. Um, and obviously the biggest question mark is going to be the front seven on the defense. Uh, we're not super deep really on the D-line or at the, at the linebacker position. We've got some pretty good big names uh, up there, but not super deep. So that makes me a little bit nervous Secondary should be fine. I think, honestly, we're returning a lot of uh, starters throughout the secondary. Um, and we've really recruited well at the cornerback position recently, too. So looking forward to just see what Tim Banks can do with this defense. Um, and hopefully we're not giving up 30, 40 points a game anymore to some of these really good SEC teams. Um, and just let the offense do the talking after that. But... Um, yeah, and then we've uh, also got uh, – we just lost Seth again, unfortunately. I was about to just ask him about Arkansas and Cincinnati. Um, that's well, what we be... could do is I was going to go through maybe a couple of the – there's a couple other Thursday night games, honestly. Uh, Pitt and West Virginia play. What are they called? Like, is it the Backyard Brawl? Something like that. Yeah, it's some kind of 
Let me see. I think that's one to look out for because I assume, I mean, Pitt being ranked 17th, I assume they're favored. I'd watch out for West Virginia and JT Daniels, honestly, to be able to yeah, pull the, off the, the upset. backyard brawl, you're right. Yeah, um, on a, just on a Thursday night game one, like I could see West Virginia, even though they haven't been very good recently, coming in and making that a good game. Also, you have Penn State and Purdue, another good one. So Thursday night, going to have a little action. That'll yeah, be fun. I'm I'm really excited for this Thursday. I mean, we're we're fully into the college football season now. We are rocking and rolling, you could say. Um I'm I'm interested in since you're mentioning the the backyard brawl here, uh I'm interested to see how Pitt does because obviously Tennessee has to go up to Pitt this year uh and play I guess a pretty good uh well, a very very good defensive line. Um, and it seems like Pitt always has a good defensive line. They they routinely have uh, some big boys up front, but their uh, their offense probably isn't going to be as good um, in terms of the quarterback position. But we'll see. I mean, Pitt uh, Pitt's been pretty good recently. I chalked it up as a as an automatic loss um, or an, excuse me, automatic win, automatic loss for the uh, Panthers last year. And look how that turned out, did not turn out well in my favor. If Hennon Hooker would have started that game, and I know we probably talked talked about this on four or five different episodes, but it always kind of comes back just because you and I were both at that game and it was frustrating as could be. Um, but either way, I'm excited to get that revenge and it's going to be good to see uh, Pitt get tested here. See, see who we're going up against. Uh, when we play him another game too and I think you y'all two might be in the select few that might agree with me on this you might not agree with me but I mean that Oregon Georgia game I mean if we're if we're if we're talking natty hangover this is where it could start yeah see, I think it could start I'm un- unfortunately I believe in the natty hangover so yes I'm I would agree that there might be susceptible, but I think it's going to be one of those hangovers that maybe you don't feel it right away in the morning. It almost sneaks up on you. It's Ooh. like I wake up in the morning. They're still a little I'm drunk. Still rolling. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's still around. I think I've may have just avoided it and everything's going to go, going to go swimmingly all day, but turns out it's just, yeah, it's still a little rollover from the night before they're going to win tomorrow just because they still kind of got, you know, they still kind of got that swagger. They, they still kind of got that. Still. They still got the bu- the natty buzz going on. There we go. I like that. But then I think it's going to South Carolina. It's going to hit. Is that what, what's that? Week three. So they play um, Oregon, oh. Samford, and then South Carolina. See, I think that's when it, around there it could start rolling in, and then it could hit kind of heavy for a few weeks. Like you know, you could drop. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but. You're like four and two. Somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there you're four and two. And all of a sudden it's like, what happened? It's another team. Yeah. Just an absolute. So that's that's kind of – I like where your head's at. I do agree it's natty hangover season for Georgia. They haven't won one in 40 years. Like Alabama can kind of act like they've been there before because they have been. Like they can just kind of – and, you know, they're running in different people and they expect to compete again. And while Georgia kind of expects it, I think that it kind of happy where they are. I think it's hard. It's hard to keep that dog, man. It's hard to keep that dog. And that's what matters so much. I think you get knocked off. See, that's what I think. You kind of are riding fine until you lose the first one. 
and then it kind of jumps into a dangerous situation where it's like, oh, you know, then you just, I don't know. I, I think they are susceptible to the late hitting Natty hangover. And I think it could be a doozy where it's, it's, it's something that they avoid at first, think they're out of the woods. And then all of a sudden it just is an absolute backbreaker. You know, I don't even know what kind of food you're ordering. You're in bed. You're just, you're just sick as a dog. You're sick as a Georgia bulldog. And, um, but I think they get past Oregon. Um, Oregon first year head coach too. Just mm. kind of coming from Georgia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Dan Lanning. We'll see. I, I will say I think Oregon covers. I think it spreads at 17 and a half. It's pretty high. Yeah, I can wow. see it covered. I mean, uh, not that I mean, I don't really know what to think of Oregon. Like Bo Nix is playing quarterback. So Ooh. yeah. Uh, he has played SEC he's defenses. A, he's a gamer. Before. Yeah, he can make some plays if the offense is right. I know it'll be it'll be weird just to see what that looks like. Bo Nix at Oregon still just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that does not add up in my brain. That I, I've even known that. I've heard that multiple times, and every time I hear it, I'm like, "Whoa, that's not right." He's so ingrained as an Auburn starter. I mean, he's played quarterback at Auburn for <laughs> seemingly for forever. And his yeah. dad played was a was a legend at uh, Auburn as well, Pat Nix. Um, so the, they're just kind of an Auburn family. Yeah, but where is that game, Will? Uh, Atlanta. It is in Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, no, see, I think yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Chick Fil A The dogs will be the dogs will be natty buzzing. And yeah, because that's they're gonna is that technically around. considered a neutral site? Yeah, technically. <laughs> Most unneutral neutral gonna, site. Yeah, of it's all. not going to be very neutral uh, in in terms of fans. Yeah, Georgia is going to travel well. And then I think we can <laughs> – Right down the road. <laughs> yeah. Then obviously there's a big game going on in uh, the dub. Dub. That's right. Thanks for using that title. Um, we're really kind of trying to grow its um, – I think you should. its usage. It's pretty good. It's not a bad nickname. I'm shocked I didn't come up with this sooner. Um, yeah, big time ranked matchup at home to start the season. That's about all you can ask for, honestly, against a former playoff team. Um, the Racerbacks, for the first time in a long time, have not not that they have like national championship expectation from people outside of myself, but uh, but they have legitimate expectation and a little bit of shot, uh, you know, a little bit of target on their back for the first time in a while. Projected to finish anywhere second to third in like the West, um, which means you're a pretty dang good football team. Um, if you can do something like that. So Cincinnati will come to town. They got they had nine players drafted from Cincinnati last year, which shout out to Cincinnati. That's pretty impressive um, for a non-Power 5 program to have nine draft picks. Um, but that means they are replacing a lot of the top talent um, that got them to the playoff last year. To go along with replacing your star quarterback, because quarterbacks like Desmond Ritter don't come around that often. Like you, a program doesn't have – you just don't have great quarterbacks, you know, unless you're Oklahoma just reeling out Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks there a second ago. But uh, but you don't have guys like Desmond Ritter for a team that is going through a serious rebuild who does not have an established quarterback week one on the road against Arkansas, like at with an excited Razorback crowd is just not a great place to try a, and build any kind of like they have so many unknowns 
to try and make that work week one on the road in a hostile SEC environment versus a Razorback team that has got quite a bit of continuity. Like that's the thing too. It's quite, it's literally like we have an established quarterback. We returned four out of five of our starting linemen. Uh, I've been trying to prepare people for this. Arkansas led the power five in rushing last year. They returned four out of five starting offensive linemen, and they returned four out of the five leading rushers, including our star quarterback in KJ. Like this is an offense. People talk about losing Traylon Burks, and that is that is a big loss. Now they've it's kind of like a not addition by subtraction thing because he was fantastic and we needed him to fill a lot of a lot of glaring holes. But I think the wide receiver room as a whole is improved. Um, we've kind of talked about that with the Titans lately is like, yeah, you had a stud in AJ Brown, a solidified stud, but after them, you know, I mean, yeah, Julio Jones is a great name, but he was pretty non-existent last year as a Titan. And so like, other than, you know, now you got, you just have more, you have more as a totality of a wide receiving core than you have in one stud player. Um, anyway, so just a lot of continuity on the Razorback offense. And I think that rushing it like to me, a rushing attack is a lot easier to have like fairly polished in week one where it's like, no, we're just going to kind of maul of the other team. Like I don't need anything fancy. I don't need to have my offense like perfectly timed, like every, you know, I don't need to be perfectly well oiled to just run the ball down your throat for four quarters and control the ball and just knock your teeth in. And that, that's what I I hope and I do kind of anticipate because I watched it happen to a lot of teams. Like I watched Arkansas absolutely steamroll Penn State. Like by the fourth quarter, they were averaging seven, eight, nine yards a carry. Like that, that every time you touch the ball, you're getting over six yards. You are wearing down a defense. Like and, and so I just think that with not not even lack of depth depth, but lack of experience depth at Cincinnati is going to come into play, especially as we kind of wear on into the second half, fourth quarter, um, when the Hogs should hopefully just power rush the crap out of them um, and then throw maybe a few deep bombs to really open it up over top. And, you know, I, I expect I, I fully expect the Razorbacks to come on top. They're, they are favored by about a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of predicted that they win the game, but – I see it as a even a little bit bigger advantage than that, but we have been wrong before. Um, but I'm trying to think about it logically and like actually what I've seen with my own eyes. And we'll just say this. We'll compare it to this. Even at the last of last season, Arkansas's last regular season game, we lost 35. We lost by one touchdown at Alabama, 35 to 42. Close game, you know, it was they were ahead most of the game, but a very close game, like hotly contested um, on the road. You know, they're playing to get into their, it's not like they're playing for nothing, too. Like they're playing to stay in the national championship picture. And Cincinnati plays uh, Alabama a few weeks later and loses by, you know, several touch, like they lost by 21 or something like that. And, you know, it was obviously a pretty decent gap um, between the two teams. Um, and then Cincinnati loses all these players and Arkansas stays pretty continuous um, and returns a lot of the same, at least on offense. Um, and we should be pretty solid on defense as well. So I think the Razorbacks will pull ahead. Um, my Razorback, I'm blinded 
by my love for the Razorbacks, as we kind of all are sometimes. Um, you know, I think uh, being very close and intimately uh, attached to a to a football team probably does cloud my judgment, maybe just a little bit. But uh, but I do have the Hogs pulling away. It's fun that it'll have a, be a nice national game um, to start the year off. A lot of eyeballs will be on the Razorbacks, um, and hopefully they can have a big win and and start moving up the polls and and start some momentum building because they got a big test in week two again, South Carolina. Um, fortunately that game is at home as well. Um, I think that definitely helps early in the season. Uh, you know, it, it's not easy for, an, you know, they're kind of breaking in a new quarterback in their offense as well. Not easy for a new quarterback. To, their first few starts on the road are tough. Like it's just harder to communicate, harder to get all that kind of stuff in. So, um, Razorbacks got a big start to the year. If they want to do something truly special, like, like kind of like we're talking about when Nebraska, like they've almost missed a window to, or I talked about to have like a, a, an elite season, like a really great season. You got to win games like North, like that's just kind of like Arkansas is in the same situation. Like if you, you could like, they could lose to Cincinnati or South Carolina and still have a pretty good year, you know, win seven, eight games and still be pretty solid. But if you want to get to that next level, like you want to, you want to make a run at the SEC West. You want to make a run to be nationally relevant. Like you got to pick up these wins. However, however you got to do it, you got to win these first two games at home in um, games you're favored by. That's where we flipped the switch. Arkansas has been the underdog for so long. Like finally, you know, we're the favorites in these next couple of games. So if we can just take care of seemingly business, like if we could just win what we're supposed to win and put ourselves in position, then uh, it'll be, it'll be a pretty fun year. Um, and Tennessee's kind of the same way. Uh, like they'll be favored in quite a few games. Like if you go ahead and win the games you're supposed to win, you go, you nine take care season. of business. Yeah. You're already, you're already pretty much there. And then you, you hopefully get a few of those underdog wins and that's when it turns into a special season. So uh, easier said than done. Um, but I will be in the stands cheering it on. I'm really looking forward to just getting back in the dub and getting it rocking. Um, and uh, being back with Razorback Nation, I think that's what we all love about college football is just the passion that exudes from we talk about it every week. But, you know, a lot of people care about these games and are are really excited to watch them and, and get get pumped up and tailgate and go to the stadium with their friends and cheer them on and just have a good time man. just have a good time. Just get out there football. and go nuts. It, yeah, sports is a great escape from it, it's a escape from life and a microcosm for life because there's a lot of kind of parallels I believe that you can take over that, that translate in sports and life, but, but it is a fun escape. You know, we worked all week, everyone did their own jobs, but you know what, we put all that behind us and now it's Saturday and we're watching the Razorbacks or we're watching the Vols or whoever. And we're just all together, just enjoying something we love and hopefully we can come away. We're all in it together. I think that's kind of like being a fan. You are actually in it. Something is on the line. It's like, I care about the Razorbacks. Like I'm going to hurt if we lose. And I know the person standing next to me in the stadium is feeling that same kind of pain. Like we know what we're in it for, but we know how happy we can all be if we win. So, you know, hopefully we win more than we lose, but uh, the man in the arena, we're going out there and we're we're going out there and we're going to battle and uh, hopefully we come out victorious. On the war, baby. I love it. How about uh, we talk a little fantasy football, boys? Kind of talk a little pro football here. Um, 
you guys want to run through our teams real quick? Yeah, real quick, I do want to mention just a couple other games to look out for this weekend. I'm excited. I think I might tune into a USC playing Rice. I think a lot of people are just interested to see what USC looks like, so I think I'll at least check in on it uh, as well as as, uh, what was the other one I was looking at. I'm gonna check in on good old uh, Adrian Martinez at Kansas State just see how he's doing. I do I do wish the best for Adrian. Um, and then obviously the big one is Ohio State Notre Dame. A lot of people, I mean I mean I, I understandably are picking Ohio State and picking Ohio State to win big, but I'm a fan of Freeman and Notre Dame. I think something something good could happen there, and it's not like they don't have talent. Um, so I don't know if it'll be. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be close. I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but it's a top five matchup regardless. Each team's in the top five, so obviously one to look out for. I was looking uh, at the Sunday night game down in New Orleans in the Superdome, yep. LSU, Florida State at LSU. That is going to be a crazy game. Love seeing some Sunday night college football. Two teams that need some momentum, too. Yeah, yeah two teams that aren't. Like, yeah, that's a big name, but those teams aren't really anything like crazy special this year, but it will be fun to watch them compete. (laughs) That's why it's fun. And who knows, maybe uh, one of those teams wins real big and they get some momentum going and uh, something sparks their season. You never know what could happen. Could could be. I think LSU will win because it's in New Orleans. Yeah, they're going to have have good juju in the Superdome, I think. There's a lot of... There's a lot of voodoo spirit magic yeah, going on in uh, the New Orleans area, and Baton Rouge kind of gets swept in that. LSU's covered. Um, Florida State ain't coming in the Superdome and winning that. No. I agree with you on that, Seth. I think LSU's going to run away with that one. I think two mediocre teams in their respective conferences will show the dominance of the SEC over the ACC. It's like these teams are probably about the same relative in their conference, lower end of their division except Florida State might even be higher in their division but then LSU still will beat them so I don't know maybe that I don't know anything I I truly every year I think I know something every year I get a disillusion to think that maybe I'm enlightened on like what's going to happen in college football and time and time again it's just so wrong and that's why it's awesome that is what makes it so fun the more you think you know you don't you don't know But, yeah, really, other than that, I guess we have the Monday night game, Clemson at Georgia Tech. Assuming Clemson, Clemson should, by, like, 40. Yeah, should uh, give a quick beat down to Georgia you Tech. You know, Georgia Tech doesn't run the triple option anymore. Yeah. That's sad. I know, but I still need to remind myself, so I turn it on, I'm not confused. It was like they when they knew, when they were done doing it, it was uh, the spring game when everyone knew they were done with this triple option, the first thing they did was like line up in triple option formation and then audible out of it. And I was like, that. <laughs> honestly, I was like, I could see if I was a Georgia tech fan, I think that would just piss me off. I'd be like, damn it. We're not running the triple option anymore. Yeah. yeah. What are there some triple option? Like truthers out there that are like, we got to keep running it. Probably. We there's probably to. some people like, Oh my God, like we're screwing this up so bad. Like we need the triple option. Not to, to give like a preview for the rest of my life, but. When I do become a coach, I will be reinvigorating some version of the triple option offense. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of options in my offense. I might even have the quadruple option. 
I'm thinking I, more more people who can throw the ball, more people who can run the ball. I want your defense to be so confused as to where we're going. You can't stop it. I will say in NCAA 14, I would run the triple option all the time with Nebraska when Taylor Martinez was playing quarterback. If you truly know how to run the triple option in NCAA 14, no one can stop you. It's literally impossible. You truly know how to run it in real life, and you have good players. No one can stop you. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the Huskers in real life in the 90s. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes we've – it's like sometimes we've done great things to advance the game of football, and sometimes we've almost outsmarted ourselves. And at times it's like you put great players on there and you literally just line up and run unstoppable plays into submission. Like if you have better players – and you run plays with enough enough options to like you still have to defend several. You don't exactly know what's coming. You just know something. You know you just put them in positions to win. So you know, speaking of great players in a position to win, um, I do really like my fantasy team that I have drafted here. Um, and turns out, Will, we actually play each other week one. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I didn't right know that until I just I looked. I, I tried to pull up my roster, and here we go, Team Diesel. Team yeah, we're going to have to read these off. Revenge. That's exciting. But, uh, yeah, Seth, you want to you wanna kick us off on your lineup here? Yeah, sure. I, I had first pick in the draft, and, um, you know, being as that I am a Titans fan and being that I do believe in the king and long live the king, I went with Derrick Henry as my first pick. I wanted to set a, send a message to the league that I believe that he is – still the premier player in the league. Um, so anyway, my quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Uh, I have a Derek Henry and Cam Akers from the Rams as my starting running backs. Those are good. Um, That's a good two running back. Yeah, it's a solid two. And I actually like my third running back here is J.K. Dobbins. And I'm actually very high on him for the uh, – for Baltimore and they always do have a really strong rushing attack. So if he can stay healthy, um pretty pumped to have him as kind of a third back. And actually like even um Melvin Gordon is my fourth back and he is with Denver now, you know, never know. Maybe he can reinvigorate and have a pretty solid solid year there. Um at wide receiver, my starters here, we got CD Lamb um, I'm predicting he has a pretty big year with the Cowboys. I, I like the way he works. Um, and then I got Alan Lazard as one of my starters here. I am banking that one on the fact that he is now with Aaron Rodgers and he doesn't have a lot of targets. Like the Green Bay offense is like, I don't know how they constantly like don't put great weapon. They've had Devonta Adams for a while, but. Other than that, like they don't stop. Lazard might pretty. be number one now. He is their legitimate. So yeah, I'm going to take uh, Aaron Rodgers' number one receiver. Uh, he's probably going to have a pretty good year. <laughs> like a lot of a receiver is due to his quarterback. Um, and then some other receiver res- receivers I got Brandon Ayuk uh, for San Fran. Really strong end of the year last year. And then I took a little uh, flyer on a couple rookie wide receivers one being Traylon Burks I'm a big believer and uh you know I think he's gonna have a good year um I think he's gonna end up probably being the Titans number one receiver when all is said and done um 
And so I took him pretty late there. And then I got George Pickens, who is looking strong for the Steelers. Uh, kind of a later round guy, but I think could have a pretty good impact. You never know. Michael Gallup. I also took him for the Cowboys. Um, I really like him a lot as a player. He is out right now, so definitely probably a reason he fell. I got him in like the last round, I think, or the 15th round. Uh, other than that, TJ Hawkinson and Cole Kmet. How do you say that? Cole Kmet. Um, Kmet. Yeah, yeah, they're my tight ends. Um, Chargers defense and Evan McPherson uh, kicking. He, he screwed me in the playoffs and broke my spirit. So, in return, I picked him and put him on fantasy. Oh, N- Nick Westbrook-Akino was my 16th pick. So, I'm covered on Titans. I got two of the Titans' top three receivers. So, in the one of the least pass-heavy offenses in the league, I really, I really stockpiled. I'm nice. gonna, I'm gonna get rid of him. He's gonna get dropped. But yeah. actually, you know what? We might start him week one. I think he'll have a strong week one. It will probably wants you to start him week one. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, I'll read off mine real quick. So yeah. it, it is pretty cool. These never matter, or they're I feel like they're always way off, but it it will give you the projections, you know. And right now I'm projected to have 118.6 points, which isn't really that great. Uh, it's fine, I guess. And Seth is projected to have 116.3 points with the matchups we have currently. Nice. Um, but Ooh. so it looks like I've got, let's see, I've got Josh Allen, at quarterback, Joe Mixon and Elijah Mitchell as my running backs. Then I have, I, I got Cortland Sutton. I'm banking on Cortland Sutton being the number one guy as opposed to Jerry Judy being the guy that Russell Wilson. Cortland Sutton's good. Yeah, and then I got Juju Smith-Schuster, thinking he's going to do well with Mahomes. Yeah, uh, especially with Tyreek gone, I think he'll do pretty good. He was down George there a little Kittle. later than I thought, to be honest. When I saw him, like where he was kind of slotted, I was a little surprised. Um, thinking he would yeah. have a pretty good year because Casey lost quite a few weapons. So, um, anyway, yeah. Um, well, and another thing too, I got Josh Allen. So I had the 12th pick. So obviously I had 12-1, 12-1, you know, each every other round or whatever. That's funny. We were on the opposite. I yeah. One. Yeah. So, and I got Josh Allen with my second pick. I mean, not that it matters. It could He could have been my first. It would have been essentially the same thing. But it did bother me a little bit because – I don't remember. I think the next quarterback to go was Mahomes, and I can't remember. I don't think he went till the third round. But the problem was, like, would I have gotten an elite? Because I wanted to get an elite quarterback, and I knew if I was going to do that, I was going to have to do that in the first couple picks. And I'm just wonder. I kept wondering to myself if I didn't pick Josh Allen, if I would have gotten like a great running back and great receiver right away, would he still have been there? Twelve picks. Twelve pick of the third round. And then I saw, I think Benny got Russell Wilson in like the seventh round. And I'm like, man. Yeah, we were not very quarterback uh, heavy at all. Well, last year it was different because I remember someone (laughs) picked Mahomes. Mahomes went round one. Yeah, someone picked Mahomes. So I picked Rodgers right away because I assumed people were going to start going on a little quarterback run. And we kind of did there for a second. But I digress. Um, Yeah, so I said Cortland Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, George Kittle. uh, And then I got Elijah Moore. 
from the Jets as my like flex that. currently. Yeah, I yeah, got him good. actually pretty late. I thought that was a good solid pick. Uh, and then these were – I got Cincinnati defense and I got Nick Folk, the kicker, but I'm switching him out with someone else. Um, on my bench, I've got Tony Pollard. I had him on my team last year, and I like him. as kind of a bench guy, a good flex or running back to throw in there. I think he's going to get – even more points this year. I think they're going to give him the ball more, especially in the passing situations. Uh, Derek Carr is my backup QB. Happy with that. And I got Kadarius Toney, Tyler Higbee, Van Jefferson, Wandell Robinson, and Raheem Moster, Mostert. I can never yeah, say Mostert. Name. Mostert. So, yeah, I even my bench actually, I've got a few guys I feel like I'm going to be able to plug in, uh, especially whenever I certain matchups are going on but i do not have a bunch of guys with buys on week nine so that might be one i just have to kind of chalk up as an l we'll see though i don't know i i I feel like you have a lot of guys that could either be really really good or fall off a little bit i know right like like joe mixon's kind of one for me yeah like he was really good last year too i was like looking at him even on the bench elijah mitchell Elijah Mitchell's another one. I'm like, I, I'm kind of banking on Debo not doing as well as last year. Like, I think Elijah which, Mitchell. Emerges. He said he didn't want to play that running back role anymore. He told yeah. San Fran that he didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I th- I'd lean towards Elijah Mitchell playing a little bit better. Yeah, we'll see. It, I do have some ifs, and like, even I don't know. We'll see. And like George Kittle, got to make sure he stays healthy. Josh Allen, I think the reason I wanted to get a good quarterback is because, you know, sometimes Allen or Mahomes or someone, they can score 50 points for you every now and then. And in our league, a rushing touchdown is worth six, passing is only worth four. And Josh Allen's the quarterback, not unlike, I mean, obviously you have Lamar and Kyler and guys like that, but guys that will run in touchdowns for you is a big help. Yeah, Josh Allen had six rushing touchdowns last year, so definitely has that uh, that threat with his legs. What's your um, team look like? It's looking pretty damn good. I'm, I'm very happy with my team, um, and I, I'll kick things off. Um, so I had the number four overall pick um, and actually had McCaffrey fall all the way down to number four, um, which had not really been expected in most leagues. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, having McCaffrey – at the number four spot, pretty happy with that. Uh, ended up going Saquon Barkley with my round two pick. Um, or was it? No, I got Mark Andrews with my round two pick. Saquon in the third, yeah. excuse me. Saquon in the third. Like, I know he hasn't really played, but that's kind of a steal in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, Saquon in the third. I, when I saw him still available, I was like, holy cow, I, I, I got to go Saquon here. And I think we talked about – McCaffrey and Saquon last week like I think a lot of us were like we're just not drafting McCaffrey but it is when you have him slip it's like do I do it and then Saquon in the third yeah take that like that's a gamble I would take third round yeah I feel like I had to at that point so I do have the two most notorious guys for getting injured but in terms of production it's like reverse psychology it's like they've already had their injuries so they're kind of good Exactly. So I think Saquon is going to have a bounce back year. Um, And then at the receivers, I've got Terry McLaurin, scary Terry 
Uh, Brandon Cooks at my number two spot with Adam Thielen filling in the flex. So I feel like Brandon Cooks and Thielen are kind of interchangeable right there. Um, And then at quarterback, I have Kyler Murray. So speaking of rushing the ball, running the ball, Kyler Murray is going to be a big threat uh, with his feet. So excited about that. In terms of defense, we've got Steelers and then Daniel Carlson at kicker, who is number the number one kicker last year. Um, I think he's going to can continue on with his um, big leg here uh, coming up on the bench. Took a couple of gambles here on the bench, but I think they could pay off. First of all, Damian Pierce coming out of Florida uh, with the Houston Texans is probably going to be their starter. So depending on how good Houston is this year, if they end up taking a little bit of a step forward, actually having a more need for a running game because when you're a terrible team, obviously you're going to be passing the ball a lot. So Damian Pierce is going to be number one. Uh, And then we have DeAndre Hopkins who has suspended the first six games, but second half of the season, he he could just blow up. So why not hide him on the bench and then bring him in? Yeah. I drafted him hundredth overall. So got him pretty late there. Uh, Also taking a flyer on Brian Robinson uh, who is unfortunately just uh, shot multiple wow. times. You took two guys. You took one guy who was literally got shot yesterday. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, I'm stashing, move, away, stashing away a couple of guys on the bench that I think could uh, look. There's some legends that have gotten no, shot. No I mean, I'm not to Burris, uh, Pac-Man yeah, Jones. Gilbert Arenas. Did you pick Deshaun Arenas? Watson yeah. too? Uh, <laughs> that would be hilarious if I got to Sean. I'd your bench like, is just like Watson. your bench is like very much a bench. Like they are not playing until like <laughs> <laughs> for a good. Which I while. respect. I mean, most guys don't have a buy till at least six anyway. Like exactly. You know, most people are, and everyone's healthy that you drafted. Other than that, you know, you don't. I like to play. I wouldn't have yeah, done really? two. actually. I wouldn't have done two guys like that. But I do res- I respect it, and it I kind of panicked with Brian Robinson. But I'm just gonna say I meant to take that flyer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know about the guy getting shot, but that's really like, say you were to get Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, if you have good starters in place already, then it's like by the time if you can just kind of do pretty well that first half of the season, then it's like second half of the season you have a stacked team. Mm-hmm. Dang. And then, uh, so we've got a couple of guys here. What week is someone going to pick up Deshaun? I bet someone's wavered him probably already. You think so? So I don't know. He might already be on someone's team. Well, because then you'd have to basically give up your backup, and then you're basically forfeiting. I I only drafted one quarterback. Okay, then you could pick him up. Oh, so Deshaun, yeah, he's still – He's still on the waiver wire right now. Jacoby Brissett is going to be their starter. He's terrible. So that'll be interesting. He's um, not I terrible. Did... He's just very, very mediocre. Very under mediocre, I think. He's a gamer, though. And I've got uh, Mike Gusecki as another tight end off the bench. Jarvis Landry and Kenny Galladay as two other wide receivers uh, that could potentially have pretty good seasons, but kind of iffy there. So uh, I honestly think I might trade one of those guys and try and get another running back, but we'll see. Um, And then my backup quarterback is famous Jameis Winston, uh, who could have a huge 
comeback year. Um, was putting up pretty good numbers before he got hurt with the Saints. So we'll see. We were on a similar wavelength there, Trucial. You kept drafting guys I had my eyes on. And uh, you got a few guys that I didn't draft, but I was like, oh, like Gusecki, who was late. And I was like, I kind of like him. I wouldn't mind yeah, having him. Yeah, he's good. And then I, I picked a different guy, but. I think I got too many wide receivers. Now that I actually look at my roster, I'm like, man, that seems like a lot of receivers. But it's good trade value, though. Yeah, we can work there. Yeah, pretty good ones. So we'll see. Yeah, I need. You know, I, I need to get rid of one of these receivers for a running back. I think, especially since Brian Robinson, he's going to be uh, sitting on my bench for a while. But good thing about it too is, I mean, it develops into the season. There'll be guys play more snaps than we're even really thinking about yet. Um, like it happens every year. There'll be guys that step in and end up exactly. you know, being really good points guys. So yeah, I'm excited. I mean, every year you go in, if everything plays out right and everyone stays healthy and has the best year of their careers, I think, I think we're really set to have a great team. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not really how it typically works, but uh, we'll see. Maybe I was a genius GM this year. Maybe not. So what I'm reading, people are saying Brian Robinson has a chance to play this season. Um, Yeah. Ron Rivera told reporters, doctors are optimistic that he will return to play this season. So, Hey, maybe he'll uh, come in last three or four games and just rip off like 80 points. Never know. (laughs) My thing is, I don't, I don't think he's good enough to take like, he was going to be the starter. I just Over can't believe Antonio you picked a Gibson. guy who got shot yesterday. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's we're really I don't think we really emphasize that enough. Like this guy was shot multiple times yesterday. Yeah, multiple times, dude. Three like, times. He didn't, yeah. he didn't just take a glancing blow, man. I mean, if he can truck three bullets, he can certainly truck a defender. Like, come on. That's a fair thought. That's, I don't if the man can thought. just eat three bullets, he's gonna be a good running back. Yeah. Dang. But, yeah, if we take a look here at the final standing projections, uh, so overall, sitting at the number two spot, boys, um, with Team Diesel sitting what down. What's that even supposed to mean? Number like, how eight. How do you do that? And then, um, let's see, yeah, King Henry sitting down at number nine. So the number eight and nine spots, you guys aren't looking too great so far on these final standing projections. Yeah, man, that's like, that's like when people – that's like when you give a team a draft grade. It's like, oh, they got a B-minus in this draft. Well, it turns out, you know, they – or they got an A-plus, and then all three guys are busts. Yeah. And you can't you can't project. No, no, those things are never right. I was projected, I think, like eighth, maybe sixth last year, and I ended up coming in third. I actually am historically bad at fantasy football, so. <laughs> Somehow – like somehow the team that wins just like last year, William who won our our league. Yeah, I think he got last second. I think he got Jonathan Taylor kind of late, just because he yeah, was like, "Hey, I'll draft round. this. I'll draft this rookie running back, and it ends up being a steal." Yeah, yeah you do got to get a little lucky. Certainly, you got to have your top guys perform well. Like your first four rounds, you really need your like top four draft picks to be solid. Like you need them. They're, they're obviously established guys that like 
You need them to have good years. They don't have to do anything crazy. And then you got to get lucky. You got to hit on, you know, some of the next rounds. They need to overperform. You know, you can't have guys underperforming. Um, you can have a lot of guys that underperform. So, but it'll be fun. It'll be a fun league. I'm excited to uh, to take part in it. Um, hopefully I can, that'd be a nice, a nice payday if, if we take it home. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. How did you draft Nick? Okay, for for people that play multiple leagues, do you have a similar draft strategy? Do you target some of the same guys? Um, Like, what's what's kind of your thoughts there? So my team is actually very different, um, which is not how I usually do it in the past, but that came from I had the number one overall pick in my other draft, so I ended up taking Jonathan Taylor at the one spot. Um, I have a similar strategy in terms of going running back heavy first, trying to get a good tight end early. Uh, so I've got Mark Andrews and George Kittle in my two leagues. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon. So trying to go heavy at those positions um, and then filling out the receiver uh, position as well as having a mobile quarterback. I've got Jalen Hurts in my other league. Uh, Kyler Murray in our league. So similar style teams, uh, but uh, ended up looking, I had Gasecki as well in my other one. So I've got him in both leagues. Um, And then also how you were talking about George Pickens. I took him in my other league as well. Uh, So yeah, I'm eyeing Pickens as a potential guy that could really bust out uh, for the Steelers there. A lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun stuff uh, for this fantasy year. It's uh, it just makes especially uh, I'm definitely going to be gambling on some games this season, but having fantasy to really make every every game interesting because you're going to have somebody playing. It's going to be a good time. I love fantasy football. Yeah, I'm trying to look look at some of these other teams and it's like not no, no one's got a super stacked team that, that it looks like anyway, you know. Any given week, it's gonna it's gonna shake down a lot to matchups, which I love. I love when there's a lot of good strategy and fantasy football. I'm checking my lineups every day, the waiver wire, what's going on, what trades are being made. Oh yeah, yeah, guys. Uh, I think we can give a quick moment of silence for Brett Kern, former Titan. Oh yeah, good lord, we haven't even talked about that. Shout and out to the legend. Not too much to go into, but I would. Yeah, let's take a moment. Thank you. The uh, the outpouring of love and support for a punter um, really was true, was heartfelt, was very real. Um, he was a very good player for us for a while, a long while. 13 years with a team in the NFL is an eternity. Um, so while he was great for us for a long time, it also was a sign that our offense was absolute garbage for a lot of those years Mm -hmm. like we did watch Kern play way too much um we were really he saw the some of the dark ages of Titans football um and so we did connect with our MV punter a little bit more um than some people probably would like to see their punter out in NFL games and while he was a great Titan for us let's hope we don't see this next punter quite as much yeah, and speaking of losing seasons, I saw 
Taylor Lewan is now the only player on the roster to have experienced a losing season with the Titans. Wow. And let, hey, I'm going to make a prediction on him. I think this is his last season with the Titans. I could see that. I think he's kind of washed anyway, actually. He's not washed. I I have a little extra, like, I don't know why I should like him, but, like, Taylor Wong bothers me a little bit. I think it's just he's really good, but he talks douchey. and acts as if he's elite, a truly, like, elite, elite guy. Like, he's one of those really good guys who if he just kind of went about his business and had – which it's fun that he has a personality. Like, he's one – he is a personality that the Titans locker room, and he's a positive personality. Like he's not, it's not negative or anything really about him. Um, it's just the he talks the talk of a truly like Tyron a Hall Smith. of Fame, yeah, a Hall of Fame le- level left tackle, and he's just not like he's good, and he's had really good seasons. Like there are some seasons he was part of a really good offensive line, but he's just not quite that truly elite level. Like I don't know. And yet, I don't think he ever really got to the elite, sometimes. the elite yeah. level either. He was always a good I think he bowl level. The, I think he peaked the first year in our new jerseys, like 2016 or 2017, maybe. Yeah, yeah. didn't he go to a couple Pro Bowls in a row? Yeah, he went to three. That in is a row. true. I mean, he he is a multiple time Pro Bowl left tackle, which is pretty legit, and he has been a good standard for our like. We need guys like that. Like, we need a lot of offensive linemen. Um, like, he, he's been part of the positive culture turnover in Nashville, for sure. So, like, I don't dislike Taylor LeJuan. I just – I don't know. He, he just – I just can't stop seeing Chandler Jones get six sacks in my head. Yeah, that was – That was, that that was left such a la- That left such a lasting image on me of Taylor. Like, how are you going to go out there and compete and let that happen? Like you just can't. That he got benched that game. Which shout out to him for responding and having a pretty good. Like he came back and I thought it was done then. Like yeah, I was, no, he I was back and was actually. He, I thought, came, he, he came back and had a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, so shout out, shout out where it's due. But um, but anyway, so I hope he has a good year now. But I just think he's getting old too. I mean, like you said, he's the longest tenured Titan now. So I mean, he's obviously been there a minute. Um, pretty yes, cool that he's the last one to see a losing season. Our culture has pretty much shifted. Um, it's been there since 2014. Pretty cool. You know where I do think we're going to see Brett Kern end up, though? Buffalo. Buffalo. I was going to say Indy. They don't have a punter. Yeah, they do. Yeah, there's Buffalo. They just signed one. Indianapolis did? A couple, couple days ago, yeah. What? Did you know, I literally so yeah. heard that from a guy at the office today. He's like, he's going to Indianapolis. They don't have a punter. And I was like, all right. Yeah, they signed one two it. days ago, and he played, like, amazing in their first uh... – Oh, good. I don't want to see him in Indy. I don't yeah. either. That would suck. Matt Hack. Pat McAfee was talking about him like crazy. Well, good. I'm glad to be wrong. I'll be going to Buffalo. Rigoberto Sanchez, their really good punter, did get hurt, like, uh, a week ago or something like that. But, yeah, they signed Matt Hack. And uh, he had a great game, so they're probably going to keep him. That's a good uh, final stop for Brett Kern. He's not really going to have to do a whole lot there, I don't think. And he's he's from Buffalo. Oh, nice. What if that's like a tight? What if this turns into a, some kind of Titans curse where our specialists start going to teams and winning Super Bowls? Just like amazing. 
like yeah. Suckup did with Tampa Bay. Like he just gets yeah. a Super Bowl ring at the Let end it of the career. It it does make sense. Like it's a positive move for the future of the franchise. And I think most people understand that. Like it's not it's honestly it's just situationally. Now the Titans invited the situation by bringing in Stonehouse. So like the Titans did kind of bring that on, but it's a move for the because you you would hope, I mean, a young, a good young punter. Yeah, hopefully they're gonna have a 13, 14 year career if they have a good like there's no reason to think he can't have 10 years at with the Titans. And so, like, as Brett Kearns, he's nearing the end uh, of his career, and it's been a good career. Uh, I mean, he started playing in 2009, so, I mean, he's had a good long career. And he, he, might, he may even have two, three years left, but he doesn't have the whole future that this Stonehouse has. And Stonehouse did straight up win the job. Like, if he had been – they weren't just going to replace Kern to replace Kern. Um, Stonehouse did – you know, ball out. Hey, he's Kim he's, Boom, the thing, dude. He's the all-time so, uh, average or uh, all-time NCAA leader in career punt uh, punt yard average. So see? he's got a it's next freaking level. cannon. Kern does leg. not have that leg anymore. No, like, that is one. Kern is even one said kid. said that yeah, this kid, and he even said this kid is doing things that I've only seen a couple of punters in my lifetime do. So no. it's just kind of like yeah, Stonehouse. That's happened. That is, this is the NFL. I mean, you like, we like to be, you know, being a good person and good part of the organization matters, but only up to a point. Like, if you can't we're here perform, to win football games perform, for a yeah. long, for not for this year and the years to come. So, and you save two million in cap space, which may help you yep. along the way. Cause knowing the NFL, we're going to have guys get injured yep. and we're, we're going to need some money to play around with, sign those free agents. Very true. All right, guys. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out on sixpackcoverage.com, at sixpackcoverage on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check us out, paydirtsports.blog for the website, at paydirt underscore sports on Twitter, at paydirt sports on Instagram. Guys, we got a got a couple articles coming out this week. Hopefully, Seth wrote a little Arkansas preview that will probably be out Wednesday or Thursday of this week. So be on the lookout for that. Guys, thanks again for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hey, Dirt out.